You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers fall at home to the Kansas Jayhawks. 75-71 to 71 in a game that Indiana came out and took control of early, uh, continued to make plays every time Kansas would make a little four or five point run for about the first 30 minutes of the game, Indiana would do something and keep them at arm's length. But ultimately, Kansas was able, uh, you know, down the stretch to really get their offense going. You know, Indiana had no real answer defensively. Uh, and some of the looks Indiana was able to get on the offensive end uh, dried up with McKenzie and Baco on the bench and Kansas really adjusting to what Indiana was doing. Uh, and ultimately, the veteran Kansas team uh, was able to make the plays down the stretch uh, that Indiana wasn't able to. Hoosiers played hard, fought hard. Uh, it was a winnable game. And that's really what almost makes it more disappointing. You know, a game that Indiana really, really needed to get for so many reasons. And unfortunately, they just weren't able to make enough plays down the stretch to do it. Uh, the loss drops Indiana to 7-3 and three on the season. And now the Hoosiers have three uh, non-conference games uh, at home coming up down the stretch before going on to Big Ten play. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. The coach, Brian Townsoni, will be joining us from Simon Scott Assembly Hall a little bit later. And we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And for the Banner Moment, I'm going to go back to early in the second half. Uh, Kansas was on a little run. Indiana's lead had been cut to five at 42-37. to 37. Uh, And Indiana would knock down two straight threes by McKenzie Mbako and Trey Galloway to push the lead right back out. You know, McKenzie Mbako, uh, you know, got the ball, was very confident today, uh, called for a ball screen, got it, drilled the open shot off the dribble. On the very next possession then, uh, Indiana forces a turnover by McCuller in transition. They get it to Trey Galloway, who hits the three to put Indiana up 48-37. And it was probably that moment more than any other when Indiana fans and, and maybe the players too were really believing, hey, we can get this bucket uh, or we can get this W, you know, and, and Trey and McKenzie were just outstanding all game long. You know, it was obvious with Xavier Johnson out that Trey Galloway was going to have to have a huge game offensively. He steps up with 28 points, uh, just scoring in all different kinds of ways, hitting threes, driving. And McKenzie and Baco, same thing. You know, he had a stretch of plays in the first half where he scored six straight points all on drives, going to the basket. And if this Indiana team is going to succeed and be able to be in these games against good teams, they have to be more multidimensional offensively. And on a day when Malik and Khalil weren't able to give you what you normally expect from them down low against one of the best interior defensive teams in the country, someone else had to step up. Train McKenzie did it. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough for a victory today, but those are the types of performances from those two guys, especially when you get Xavier Johnson back that can make this team one that can actually do some things this season. So it came in a losing effort, but a lot to build on in the performances today from Trey Galloway and McKenzie Mbako for this Indiana team moving forward. Okay, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And as you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And since IU is their flagship school, whenever they come out with something new, you know they're going to test it out on IU first. And so that's the reason to follow them on Twitter, sign up for their text alerts, sign up for their email alerts. You want to know when stuff is coming out, 
because sometimes it's limited availability. And so you want to make sure that you can get there, get your orders in. And it's not just IU. They have over 150 colleges and universities represented. So no matter who you're shopping for or what your tastes are, they're going to have something for you at Home Field Apparel. And what's really cool is they put all these old vintage logos on the clothing. But when you go to the individual pages for each product, they tell the story of the logo and the school. And just that way of kind of honoring the traditions of the colleges and universities is one of the one of many reasons why we love Homefield Apparel and why we know that you do too. So go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME23, and you'll get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we will start with you, your bottoms line. It's very disappointing, Indiana loss. Yeah, a lot of different, a lot of different ways to go. I think you look at a few things. Um, you know, you can argue whether these things are tied together or related or not. But IU basically didn't sub in the second half, save for when Renew was in foul trouble and Mbaka was in foul trouble, and you had Cups, Ware, and Galloway play. All play at least 37 minutes a game. All played the whole second half with the exception of Galloway when he fouled out with a few seconds left. Uh, and this is a team that wilted defensively uh, down the stretch. Kansas scored on 14 of the last 18 possessions. They scored during that stretch at 1.72 points per possession. And part of that is execution and having veterans and and having a system that they know they can rely on. But part of that is guys looking a little bit tired and and the other thing that happened when you think about the foul trouble is, you know, McCuller was a challenge for IU all day. I thought Galloway did a good job on him for large parts of the game, uh, but self-elected to keep him in with four fouls. And I'm not saying that Mike Woodson should have kept McKenzie and Baco in the game with four fouls at that point, but IU's lack of substitutions and different offensive weapons basically allowed McCuller to not guard anybody for, I don't know, five minutes. They stuck him on Caleb Banks. Caleb Banks barely touched the ball. They knew that that wasn't where IU was going to go. And what Galloway did so well to get a number of his points in the first half, when they brought McCuller back in with two fouls, Mbako was still in the game, and Galloway just went right at him. And he backed off every single time because he knew he couldn't foul. And again, I'm not suggesting that Mbako had to – I mean, I would suggest he should have come back in a little bit sooner than he did. But IU needed to find somebody who could be another offensive threat. And on a day that very few guys played at all, and very, you know, it was like the absolute reverse of what we've seen, where you've got the first unit, second unit thing. Today was the pendulum swung so far the other way, where if you get some guys just in to make energy plays, the crowd's going to eat that up. You know, renewed dives on the floor there at the, you know, at one point in the second half trying to save that ball. Like the crowd just goes crazy for stuff like that. Like let some of the energy guys play. They don't have to play for five minutes straight. Give them a minute and a half to, to just play a couple possessions and get through it. And, um, you know, easy to look back. Hindsight is twenty twenty and saying stuff like that. I, I totally recognize it, but, uh, just a huge missed opportunity and one that, you know, Trey Galloway at the very least, like deserved to win that kid left it all out there. Uh, in the absence of of Xavier Johnson, and he he just had a, a just a phenomenal game, and you hated to see it end both with him on the bench because he fouled out, um, but just with a loss in general, it just would have been such a huge momentum win for the for this year's team, the program, 
uh, all those kinds of things and uh, just massively disappointing. Although uh, clearly my disappointment pales in comparison to the guys who actually played in the game. Uh, so trying not to be too over the top with some of that, but, uh, but really, really felt like something special could happen there and, and a shame that uh, it didn't happen. And, and I think it again is a, a measuring stick of a program like Kansas and their identity and all those things that we talk about, are you wanting to get back to like that stuff was on full display today and it's ultimately something to aspire to and something that I use just not at right now. Well said, Andy. All right, Ryan rant time. Yeah. You know, look, first of all, the, the, the guy, the, the players gave a great effort today. I mean, there's no question about that. This was coming in. A lot of people were like, well, Kansas is going to blow them off the floor. You know, let's move on to the next game. They were not up for that. They played their tails off all of those guys. I don't think there's anybody you can say did not play incredibly hard today. Um, credit to Mike Woodson and the coaching staff for having them ready to go. But you were up 13 at Assembly Hall. You should have won that game. Like, I'm sorry. You have that crowd and you're up 13. And when you look at it, and and I, I will give credit on one hand, I thought the defense, until those guys got tired, which was going to happen because they're just undermanned with people who can actually play against a team like Kansas talent-wise, the defense was fantastic for most of the game. Now, they were giving up points, but the effort was there. Kansas is just really good and was making some shots, especially in the first half. Uh, you saw that Kansas could have been down 20, but they made a couple tough shots. Um, the problem with Indiana, as it has been, is the offensive system does not create advantages for the team when you are playing against a team that's as talented or more talented than you. It's all based on one-on-one plays individual matchups and you saw today when you had the post taken away by an elite post player indiana had no answers in the second half other than trey galloway making a play and playing out of his mind there was nobody else on the floor who had an advantage against their guy or could find an angle to score indiana scored 0.838 points per possession in the second half they went long stretches repeatedly without a field goal like when the system is set up to solely score in the paint and you're facing a big athletic team that can stop you from scoring the paint. Indiana had no answers for it other than Trey Galloway making a great play. And you look at the stats in the second half, they couldn't do anything offensively. And there were so many times the shot clock was down late. Either they, they fired a quick shot or the shot clock would get down late and somebody would have to force something. Khalil Ware couldn't Khalil Ware could not find openings. Mackenzie Mbako was playing against guys who were bigger athletic and they were all collapsing on him because they knew nothing else was going to happen. This is the folly of this system is that it's solely predicated on you beating the man across from you. It doesn't give you an opportunity to have an advantage on that guy and then go beat him. You're just lined up one-on-one. And so when you're playing a team like this, that is more talented than you virtually across the board, more athletic than you virtually across the board. You don't, it doesn't give you a chance to win other than that team, maybe missing a ton of shots and having the worst game of the season or something like that. You are going to have to do something extraordinary. Kansas locked down in the second half and nothing Indiana was doing gave them an advantage. It was a straight post up offense the entire second half. And Kansas would double team immediately. Cleo Ware not super comfortable there. He played out of it. I thought actually, okay, but then the ball would reverse Kansas would be right there defensively and Indiana had no answers. And so this is what the folly of this is. And I'll say the defensive system worked really well today until those guys got tired. So credit to that 
the defensive system worked really well and the rebounding was great and all of that. But offensively, Indiana was a black hole in the second half, largely. And if you take Trey Galloway out of that offense in the second half, there's nothing there to hang your hat on. Nothing. And nobody did anything. Mackenzie Mbaco had a great first half. Second half, he got into foul trouble, kind of got him out of sync. And also on top of that, you know, he's a freshman. He's probably not going to have two great halves offensively. It's just not what happens. But there's nobody on the perimeter other than Trey to make plays. And Trey, we've seen sometimes, doesn't even get that. It doesn't even have that. He was clearly very fired up today. There's no Jalen Huchifino on this team to be wildly more talented than the guy across from them. And so I don't see what they're going to do when they face good teams like this. So... It's just disappointing because I feel bad for those guys. I don't think they were put in a great position to win, especially not in the second half once Kansas started playing well. There was nothing to go to. It was just, please go beat the guy across from you or we're not going to win. And and that's disappointing and it's sad and they should have won this game. I'm sorry. They should have won this game and it's not because of effort. It's not because of energy. It's not because of any of that. It's because they were not put in a great position to win it. Yeah, no, they should have. Um, I agree with you. You know, and you look at it, Malik and Khalil, eight for 25 combined from the field, and they only got eight free throws. You know, that's just not a recipe for success for this Indiana team. Now, again, a lot of fadeaways. Yeah, and you're not going to find many front courts better than Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams. You know, I mean, if you had told me that that was going to be the production from the big guys, I would have thought Indiana lost by a lot. And I think that just that underscores this game for Trey Galloway, um, who, you know, played. 38 minutes, I mean, only came off the court because of the foul trouble uh, that he had. And just, you know, really did, Andy, I thought, all the things that we've been asking him to do. And he didn't have a choice. You know, I I do think this is a game, obviously, it doesn't matter because he couldn't play, but this is another game where Indiana really misses Xavier Johnson. You know, you can beat Harvard without him, but, you know, look at what Kansas did there down the stretch. Dewan Harris can go make plays. Kevin McCuller can make tough shots and drive. You know, they have backcourt guys that are multidimensional. And today, Trey was. You know, he's two for four from three, hit that huge three late, almost hit the other one to put Indiana ahead. He was going to the basket. He was making shots. So we saw the multidimensions from Trey that, you know, need to start becoming more of a habit. Gabe Cups doesn't have that. CJ Gunn doesn't have that. You know, and so that to me is the difference, Andy, is when it gets down to closing time, You know, the way that Indiana wants to play when things get tight is go to Malik. And I get it. He's a very talented offensive player, but he's going to have a hard time getting those shots up over Hunter Dickinson. And the team that won today is the team that had more guards who can do more things. You know, and so that's where Indiana needs X back, number one. But just in terms of recruiting moving forward, you've got to have more dynamic options in the backcourt. Trey did everything he could to provide that today. I mean, it's the best game he's played as a Hoosier, and it's not close. And you can look at his five turnovers. I couldn't care less. You know, he was aggressive. He was confident. You don't get the 28 points without some of those turnovers, but Indiana needs more of that, you know? And so that that's a big takeaway coming out of this game, not just in terms of what Indiana needs the rest of this season moving forward, but all those five-star guys that were here watching the game, these are the guys that we need to come in and start to change, you know, the complexion of what Indiana is able to do from a personnel standpoint. Yeah, it, it, it you know, really Cups had taken a couple – kind of fading jumpers on the baseline one in each half until he made that that drive late which was a big play and what you know Dickinson basically would would basically play drop coverage and then just wait to try to take wear away they were trying to take away lobs and so Galloway took advantage of that he took a, advantage of of McCuller uh in his foul trouble he took advantage of guys that he knew he was a little bit bigger than and going to the basket even when Dewan Harris was on him when he could you know turn the corner and go 
And I think that's where you, you're right. Xavier Johnson is also a guy who can take advantage of those things. But I think that's also what, you know, Galloway, it, it kind of showed that it, it was just like high basketball IQ plays to me in general was spotting what the defense was giving them and taking it. And there just wasn't another guy to do that. And, and I think you look at it, at Gabe cups, you know, you, you think about what he is in this game you in, in no way, shape, or form were thinking this dude needs to play 38, 39 minutes, whatever it was in this game at this point in his, you know, 10th game of his college career. And he played, he played well. And, you know, he really fought defensively when they got switches. He really fought when he got on somebody in the post. Um, he just wasn't an offensive threat. And with it, when you had to go to him and Caleb Banks, then late in the game, or not late in the game, in the, in the middle part of the second half, when Mbako got in foul trouble, it just you had two guys who the defense was not worried about whatsoever uh, in the game at that point, and two other guys who are really more, you know, interior interior players. And then what do you do? I, I did think that uh, IU was running that handoff at the elbow, uh, had a nice counter to that for a high low that IU just didn't convert um, at some point. So they were trying to run counters to those things after Kansas made adjustments to what was working, but. You know, the other thing I, I'll give Kansas credit for from a defensive standpoint is when Renew was in the game, they had Dickinson on him banging with him, and they basically dared IU to throw the ball into the post with where on on KJ Adams, which to me they had missed opportunities to take advantage of. He's got a good six inches on him. Adams is an undersized guy, plays bigger than that, and is strong. Um, but IU really struggled to find ways to get him the ball in the post in those scenarios. Um, because Dickinson would just hang back in the post and dare renew to hit threes. He obliged and hit a couple in the first half, but um, I thought their defensive approach on those guys was maybe not what I thought it would be, um, but I thought it was really effective and, and kind of forced IU. You know, If one of the guys is going to be on the post and one of them is going to be on the perimeter of IU, it's where is not the guy that's going to be in the post, and they really tried to force him to be that guy. And, and when they did go to him once in that matchup in the first half, he fell away. Like you could just elevate up over the top of him. And I, I just thought the physicality that Kansas brought was, I mean, led to some pretty ugly shooting numbers by, uh, by the IU bigs, as you mentioned, even though Ware was, uh, was really tough on the glass. Uh, give him credit there. That, that requires toughness. It's uh, not a knock on, on his game completely, but I, I just, I did think, it was another game of seeing him go against more physical players and really struggle trying to figure out how he was going to make an impact in those situations. Yeah, I, look, I see a lot of a lot of our fans are saying this that you know, well, you know, the the officials were bad. They gave Kansas the game. I mean, look, the, the officials were bad. They made some both bad ways. calls, but they, there were some bad calls both ways for sure. The the officiating was not great. You knew I, Hunter Dickinson gets away with a lot of contact. He's a veteran guy. He's one of the better post players in the country. That's going to happen. Trace Jackson Davis got away with a lot of contact. Like it's just that you, when you're at that level, you do. And you knew that coming in, though. You knew that was going to happen coming in. And so you have to play around that. You have to play with that. You have to utilize your depth. Your depth guys have to step up. The bench gave you virtually nothing. To that. Anthony Walker had some nice minutes. Other than that, the be bench gave you nothing. The bench has to be prepared to contribute in this game. I mean, that's on that's on the coaching, that's on the players, that's on, you know, everybody. They got to be ready to go and you got to know that you're going to get foul trouble and that somebody's going to have to step up. And then when these guys go out, you need to find ways to score when Malik Renews on the bench. You need to find ways to play defense when, you know, maybe Khalil Ware, you try if you get a big enough lead, you try and get him some more rest so down the stretch he's not so tired and Dickinson doesn't get what he wants in the post. I mean, there's it, you have to be ready for that. 
that's part of college basketball. The officials aren't great. And, and, and you've got to be ready for that. And so I see a lot of people like complaining about that and saying that they gave Kansas the game. I mean, that's I'm, I complain about officials more than anybody. And, and while I had a problem with some of the calls, like you got to know that's going to happen. You're facing the number two team in the country. It's going to happen. And so you've got to take advantage of your free throws. You've got to take advantage of their foul trouble and go at their guys who have more fouls. And Indiana didn't do that. And so you could see Kansas went at I use guys that were in trouble. Indiana didn't going the other way. And so and then they didn't take advantage of the free throw line. I mean, you know, you have to use that to your advantage on cups. I thought he played really well. Uh, I thought that, you know, look, he barely looks at the basket on offense. And we've said that for a while. He's not offensively up to the task of being a point guard for a Big Ten team, the starting point guard for a Big Ten team right now. I thought he played his ass off on defense. I thought he played very well, did what he could. He got beaten sometimes, but he was playing a much more talented guy. That's going to happen. You know, there's nothing that can, that can there are just limitations to what you can do at some point. But offensively, you don't think Harris versus Cups is an even matchup at the stage? No, I don't. Curves? I don't. Um, just I know it's controversial. <laughs> that's opinion. not a knock on Gabe. I agree with no. you. I thought I thought he did Gabe Cups things really well. You just can't I, ask I that much from him. Yeah, no, look, I, and and but offensively, it's got to get to a point where if X is out. Cubs has to start looking and shooting confidently. Like there's no other way around it. Like I know he does. That's unfair to him. He's not supposed to be there yet. He's supposed to be giving you 15 minutes of energy a game, maybe some late game ball handling and maybe some free throws. Like, but if X is going to be out until big 10 play, or maybe, you know, beyond, we don't know where that's going to going to land. He's got to start looking at the basket and, and, and not shooting a pull up, kind of fading to his left jumper. He's got a step in his head. So he had some threes today that were right to him, and he did not even consider for a millisecond taking them. He moved the ball away or he drove or whatever. That late drive was great. Thank you for that, Gabe Cubs. It was a great finish. You can do that. You're allowed, by the way. You can do that. Um, but he's got to start looking at the basket on offense. I, I, I mean, and, it, and again, it's unfair to him to put him on that, to put that on him at this point. But he's got to start doing it, or Indiana's going to be in trouble. Yeah, the, the only thing that I would say, just to to piggyback on something that Ryan said, was you know the the way that Kansas attacked IU's guys in foul trouble, and that was one of the things that really hurt Mbaka. Like Elmarco Jackson didn't do anything in the first half, and they had him bring the ball up to court some in the second half against Mbaka, and basically tried to attack him at least enough that you couldn't hide him defensively. We talked about that a lot on the show the other night. Like, who's he going to guard? You can't have him guard McCuller or else he gets played off the floor. Kansas basically didn't let him off the hook. I thought IU let McCuller off the hook in the set in, you know, the last eight minutes of the game. They just went at him knowing probably going to, you know, if I go at him enough, he's handsy enough defensively, he's going to make a foul. Um, so IU play a little bit of zone. I think that was the first half more than the second. Surprised didn't see a little bit more of that to, uh, maybe do that, uh, you know, hide him a little bit there in the second half. But I thought Kansas, you know, did a good job. That's why Bill Self is a good coach. You could say lots of other things about his, uh, you know, general approach to to doing business. But um, but they they very clearly were not going to let Mbako slide and not challenge him defensively. And you saw that adjustment coming in the second half. Yep. All right, so here, real quick, before we go to break, got a little something special here on behalf of all of us at the Assembly Call. We want to congratulate Wayne on his recent graduation in library sciences. So, Wayne, your girlfriend, Dana, 
reached out to us. Let us know how big a fan you are of the Hoosiers and of our show. And so it's our honor to be able to congratulate you and wish you the best of luck moving forward, uh, which clearly needs to involve doing whatever you have to do to keep Dana by your side. That should be priority number one here, very clearly. But fun little backstory about Wayne and Dana. She was emailing me. She said their most intense fight has centered around Indiana high school basketball and the longstanding debate around the single-class or multi-class tournament. Wayne supports the single class while Dana likes the multi-class. As she says, we are several years into the fight and are still not close to a resolution. That is what I call a true Hoosier love story. So feel free These to chime in. need to get in. married. <laughs> yeah, like, like what? right now. <laughs> also, we're sorry we couldn't give you the shout out in a better mood, buddy. Yeah. I know. I thought, <laughs> man, if we save it for the Kansas game. Yeah, it was high risk, high reward, I guess. Um, anyway, Wayne's favorite Hoosier is Damon Bailey. His favorite IU team is the undefeated champions of 1976. And while Wayne is currently applying for jobs in academia across the country and may not end up at IU, Dana said, quote, I don't think there's anything that can be done to curtail his love for the greatest basketball program in the world. So Wayne, wherever your career takes you, we will be right here to help you stay connected to the greatest basketball program in the world. Good luck from all of us. uh, And thank you for all of your support over the years. We appreciate it. And Dana, you're awesome. Thank you, too. Um, all right, coming up here as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's four-point loss to Kansas, we'll point out today's meaningful moments you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. From the game, you're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. Christian and Derek Elston were in the house today recording a podcast, I believe, um, which was nice to see. Coach Tonsoni caught up with them, had a nice chat with them. Uh, I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's loss to Kansas today at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Uh, and it is the top of segment two, so you know what time it is. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. Yes, this segment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans to learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans. Visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. You know, Ryan, it, it's... 
unfortunate that McKenzie Mbako was in foul trouble today because I thought what he added offensively was really important for Indiana, you know, both in terms of scoring, adding, you know, another dynamic score. And for all the reasons that you guys talked about with his presence, making things more challenging for Kansas defensively. But there was one stretch, especially that I was really encouraged by, you know, Indiana jumped out to an early lead. Kansas went on a 5-0 run. They made it you know, 12-11, Indiana had, you know, struggled for a couple of possessions, and McKenzie Mbako scored six straight points, had a rebound, got a steal. It could have been more, but he had that one breakaway that he dribbled off his foot. Uh, and it was one of the best stretches of play for him. And what I loved about it is all three of his buckets, Ryan, were going toward the basket. You know, we saw McKenzie at times kind of settle for the jumper, and that's okay in a lot of cases because I think he's Indiana's best shooter, and the jumper is going to make him a lot of money someday. But the next evolution for him is being able to score in more ways. And so in this stretch, he got the ball on the left wing, drove and scored. He had a bucket in transition, scored. Drove from the right wing, drove and scored. Um, and you know, just those six points then ended up opening some space for him to hit a three a little bit down the road. And so again, you know, a lot of frustrations coming out of this game. And the truth is, Indiana lost, but they you know, played one of their best overall games of the season. And to me, one of the most encouraging things is seeing some more offensive dimensions from McKenzie Mbako, more confident off the dribble, more willing to drive. If he can add that to an outside shot that I know the overall numbers are still down, but the shot continues to look good, and I think he's made a three down four straight games, that is absolutely the extra added dimension offensively that Indiana needs. And it was a huge part of the reason why Indiana was in this game. Uh, you know, Ryan, you put in the chat, you know, McKenzie and Baco plus 12 today. I think that number tells a pretty important story from this game um, because of what he was able to do and just his presence, you know, and getting to the line, you know, getting five free throws. Um, it just made Kansas have more things to worry about offensively that they didn't when he was off the court. Yeah, I, I thought that, especially in the first half, you just saw he was ready for the big game. And he probably was yep. circling it. I mean, look, this is a measuring stick game for some of those guys who want to be in the NBA. Khalil Ware struggled. Uh, he was great defensively, I thought, for most of the game. Rebounded really well. But offensively, he was not up to the task against Hunter Dickinson. Just well, I mean, that's just straight up. It's not, not a knock on Khalil. I mean, Dickinson's been around for 20 years, and and you know, we know what he could do at the post. Uh, and And... Where is essentially doing this for the first time on a big stage as a starter who's playing a lot of minutes and he struggled. Mackenzie Mbako came out on fire. And and, you know, as as you said, he was plus twelve. Whereas a guy like, you know, let's say the guy who replaced him essentially was Caleb Banks was minus sixteen. I mean, yeah. that's just the the gulf between what those guys provide on the floor. And I thought Mbako, while he, I mean, he's never going to be an elite defender, I thought he at least in the first half was showing a lot of effort and and and, and cutting off driving lanes and doing the best he could. Um, that's a guy, yeah, you, you need him. If you want to compete in the Big Ten this year on a high level, and Baco, he's not going to have to do what Jalen Huchifino did last year, but he's going to have to play up to the elite freshman level to get Indiana there because Indiana does not have a dynamic inside-outside scorer and a guy who can get it at the rim and shoot threes. You've got guys who can get at the rim, essentially. You don't really have a three-point shooter, and you need somebody who can provide balance. And, and Indiana's offense does not have balance. That's one of the things we've harped on is, yeah, a lot of points in the paint, but you need somebody who can drive it, who can shoot it. And especially without X, you don't have the driving aspect other than when Galloway does it. And, and we've seen him be on and off in games. Some games he's attacking the rim, some games he's not. And hopefully today gives him the confidence to do it going forward. Because if you if, if Galloway can do this against Kansas, he can do this against anybody. 
And, and he, if he just gets the angle, he can finish against anybody. And so you're hoping that happens as well as Mbako carrying over some confidence from this. I, I, I couldn't believe he was on the bench as long as he was in the second half. Indiana was clearly not as good with him on the bench. And you know how many fouls he finished the game with? Four. He never he never got the fifth foul that we were so afraid of him getting. So, I, yeah, he needs to he needs to play more um, in a game like this for Indiana to win. And yeah, he was in foul trouble. It's a bummer, but that's a guy who is a game changer. One of the few that Indiana has, you know, that plays on the perimeter. And and so having him on the bench so long and having to replace him with guys who are not up to the task uh, really hurt Indiana. Yeah, two two quick things on on him. Uh, one of them you noted in uh, I think it was the Banner moment, Jared, where he hit the first of those uh, of those two threes. I mean, that was a spot IU had really gotten off to a rough start in the in the beginning of the second half. I mean, it came out and scored. Ware got fouled in the first possession, but until he made that three pointer, they had gone I think six or seven trips uh, without scoring. Kansas kind of chipping away just a little bit and really confidently, as you said, called for that ball screen. Uh, drilled the three, you know, made a nice play there. Had another pass to where uh, where he got fouled, where uh, Mbaka was in the post, got doubled, made a good pass over to to where and one of those matchups on Adams. Uh, Adams kind of undercuts him, and, and he ends up getting the getting the foul there. So I think you're starting to see a little bit more dimension to his game. Uh, he was fighting defensively. It's kind of a game where there's not really a great matchup for him. Uh, like I talked about before, they end up he's having to guard a smaller guy and try to figure that out. And and honestly, as you think about how Banks played. Uh, you know, he didn't play well in the first half. Neither did CJ Gunn. I was a little bit surprised they didn't try to give Gunn a couple minutes and like see if he did something, if he could play a little bit better in the second half. Because realistically, you know, he could have guarded El Marco Jackson when uh, Mbako was out. It wasn't like Kansas was playing a, a, a overly big lineup. And I know Jared, you're shaking your head, but they were both poor in the first half. So it's like, was one guy that much worse than the other that he has? you know, gets plays the last eight seconds of the game after somebody fouls out, like you needed to do something or have somebody else be willing to, to step up and do something. Hell put Anthony Leland, like they just needed to do something else from a, a substitution standpoint. If you weren't going to bring Mbako back, it, banks just didn't, didn't have it. you got himself in tons of trouble making fouls in the first half and just, you know, you're trying to, to take, nobody had confidence in anyone at that point. That, that was pretty clear from the coaching standpoint. They didn't have confidence in any of those guys or they would have, or, or any of them would have played uh, in the second half, but that's a tough, that's a tough way to go uh, as you're going through there. And just based on what you're getting, just seem like give somebody else a shot for a minute, see if somebody gets it. You know, it just, I don't know. Easy to say now, I suppose. To be fair, Andy, I was shaking my head at the Wi-Fi issues that we're having with Coach. Not at your point. Oh, okay, I agree. I agree with your point. I mean, I didn't. I mean, we were texting at halftime. You know, CJ did not play well in the first half, and so I wasn't sure if he would get time. But given how the game went, yes, I think at some point you probably needed to try him. But that leads to you know my other meaningful moment, and we'll try to get Coach in here if we can. I think he's having Wi-Fi issues um, at Assembly Hall. But, you know, at 61-58, Indiana's still clinging to their lead. You know, they had a great defensive possession against Kansas. I think they knocked the ball out of bounds. You know, Kansas gets it. The shot clock's running down like three or four seconds. Caleb Banks is trying to go over a screen on McCuller and just reaches in and fouls him. And, yep. you know, and gives Kansas two free free throws. And, you know, look, CJ and Caleb are both still young players. And they've been huge in Indiana victories. Indiana probably doesn't beat Louisville without Caleb, and Indiana probably doesn't win at Michigan without CJ. So these guys have had moments. But today was not one of those moments. 
I mean, Caleb was minus 16. CJ was minus three in, in his five minutes. And just neither one was ready for the moment. And and the thing is, Andy, in games like this, when you're at home, you know, it's typically the kind of game where role players step up and play much better than you're expecting. And those lifts can really help you. And look, you know, Trey Galloway did that. I mean, he played so far above what we've seen from him. He almost made up for everybody else not bringing it. Um, you know, and I thought Anthony Walker had a few nice minutes uh, in the first half where he drew the second foul on McCuller and on KJ Adams by just attacking the basket, but not getting anything from I mean if if Banks and CJ are just kind of bees in this game that might be enough to get you four points if CJ can make a shot if Caleb can get a hustle play but those two guys just weren't ready for the moment and so as we continue to kind of track their progress and we know that you know given their potential they have a chance to kind of change the narrative for this team and how many dimensions this team has unfortunately on a day when Indiana really really needed one or both of them they were not up to it. And I hope it's a learning experience for them. I still have high hopes for these guys. But unfortunately, on this day, when they could have been the difference between winning and losing, you know, they weren't able to to bring any production. And it's a shame. Let's see if we can get Andy, you can go. Wait. Yeah. Should we see well, if we can get coach in here? Yeah, I know. He keeps mentioning that he's having uh yeah. issues. It may not I, it may not happen. He's trying. Coach is trying, efforting. I, Sorry, go I'll ahead. go ahead and I'll go ahead and throw out uh, another meaningful moment. There were four different times in the game where Kansas turned the ball over and IU turned it over right back, including three in a row in the first half, where just some unfortunate things happened. You know, Mbako dribbled the ball off his foot the one time. Ware lost it in the second half. The replay clearly showed that Harris hit him on the wrist as he's trying to, like, step through and and get there. Uh, I think Galloway had another one where he just lost the ball as you go through and and do some of that. But it was – you know, it, it's you can point back to a, a bunch of different things in a game that ended up being a four point ball game. But, you know, having, you know, live ball turnovers that you're taking the other way and think that you're going to get a layup on more of them than not. And to have four instances where you you took turnovers and didn't really get anything out of them. You know, that's something else you talk about role players stepping up, like just some of those you know, stealing points in some of those scenarios and IU just missed those. And and some of it was just bad luck. It wasn't necessarily, um, wasn't necessarily guys making mistakes uh, per se, but uh, you know, those are just, you know, four trips where if you get points on any or all of those can be a, a, a totally different game in, in some, in some points and doesn't mean a lot uh, maybe at the moment, but, uh, but just turnovers in general in the first half were not good, but those coming on the heels of Kansas turnovers, you got them to turn the ball over three times and you didn't get anything out of it uh, three times in a row and didn't get anything out of it yeah. is, uh, is not, uh, not particularly encouraging, not, not part of the recipe for victory for sure. The last moment I'll mention Ryan, and it's just, it's a, an example of Gabe cups defense. Indiana was up by 10 in the second half cups, you know, guarded Dewan Harris for most of the day. And look, Dewan Harris he is an outstanding player. He finishes with 12 points, five assists, three turnovers. You know, Gabe didn't shut him down, but he didn't allow Dewan Harris to have one of those Cassius Winston type games where he's getting 11, 12 assists and just dictating everything. I mean, Gabe made it hard on him. And, you know, this particular play, you know, Gabe is basically picking him up full court, fights through a screen, harasses him on a drive to the right. And that's the one where Harris just launched it out of bounds, trying to hit the guy in the corner. And I just thought, you know, for it's just it's such a weird spot for Gabe, and we've already talked about it. He's being asked to probably do more than what you need him to do. That was an example of him doing the things he does really well. And and I honestly think all things considered, especially given the gap in their experience, 
I thought he played a whale of a game defensively on Dewan Harris. Um, and that was just another example of it. And so I want to give him a little hat tip there because that defense was excellent. Yeah, I mean, just to reiterate, I thought he was fantastic defensively. And and I, I, I've seen people, I'm getting texts and stuff, but why are you being so hard on Gabe Cubs? I'm not being hard on I'm him. I'm being hard I'm on saying, him. <laughs> no, I offensively, you know, because there's, you know, offensively, he, I don't expect him to score points, but I just think that we're in this position where he kind of has to start doing that eventually. Right. Or Indiana Our starting in point guard is hurt. We're holding an it's extra scholarship fault. that we didn't fill with another guard. Yep. Anthony Leal hasn't really developed. Gunn hasn't really developed as much as you want. All of the reasons for this are not Gabe's fault. They're not Gabe's <laughs> fault. But I'm saying, yeah. I'm just saying that if Indiana is going to get to the level that this team is capable of, he's got to start scoring. And it yeah. again, it's, you know, I don't know how that happens because I don't think he's capable of it right now. And that, again, not his fault. That's just not where his development curve is at right now or was ever going to be. Um, but I just think that that has to start happening or Indiana's in, in, might be in trouble. And, and again, it wouldn't be Gabe's fault if that doesn't happen. It's just a fault of the roster construction and the development of certain guys. Um, but no, I, 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 you look at this, if you, if you watch this game and think Gabe cups is a problem, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, you would love for him to be able to make more shots, but that's not, again, not his fault right now. I thought he played his butt off defensively and that's what you want him to do right now. Don't turn the ball over on offense. He only had one in 37 minutes. Facilitate things if you can. He tried. Even in the second half of things weren't going well, he wasn't the issue. Uh, and he played as hard on defense as anybody. And that and I thought everybody played really hard on defense. He just stood out. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know what else you can ask from the kid at this point. Um, he came in at the level he came in as a three-star guy, was always going to be a long development curve. He's a four-year guy who's going to be, I've always said it, is going to be the kind of guy who other teams are like, is that guy still there? He's so annoying. You know, it's the Aaron Kraft principle where he's there forever and is such a pest. And and, and so I think that's what he's going to be. So anybody who has complaints about Gabe Cups today, uh, you're just, you're, you're looking for something to be mad about. Yeah, I think... It- Two quick things on on cups. I think probably you know, touching on some things we've alluded to earlier in the show. I think you guys summed it up well what he did defensively. So I don't need to uh, to add to that. I think you can get away with him not being an offensive threat at this stage in his career when you've got four other guys who are. And ultimately, that's why things with him stood out so much more during that stretch when Mbaka was on the bench because you had two guys that the other team's defense felt like they didn't need to guard. That's not his fault. Um, I think back to listening to um, you know one of the you know one of the first years I started listening to Crimson Cast. They were talking about Verdell Jones a lot. I still go back to this all the time. <laughs> he was being asked to do things that he was not ready to do, and that were not things that were going to make him set, put him in a position to be successful. I, I I mean I think you could echo those exact same things about Gabe Cups today, and I thought he did as well as he absolutely could, given the circumstances and what he did. You're just when you don't surround him with other guys who are offensive threats, you're putting him, You're not putting him in a position to be successful. He can't just be a ball mover at that point. He has to be more than that. He's not ready to be more than that. He doesn't need to be ready. He doesn't need to be more than that right now, if not for all of the things that Jared listed off before. So, uh, yeah, I got a lot of you know nits to pick about different aspects of this game. I'm not sure any of them have anything to do with Gabe Cups, quite honestly. No. All right, Coach, we're going to give it a try. Coach is on his phone because the laptop wasn't working. Can we get Coach in here? 
for a minute, I thought that Lanyards was like an untied tie, like he had shown up in a. <laughs> that in a is actually exactly like, what I thought it was. He was like just disheveled after a long day and untied, and is just sitting there. I was really hoping that's what it was, but you know, uh, either way. So, yeah, I I don't know why I could get you guys on YouTube, but I couldn't get you on Streamyard. So um, I don't know what well, you going sound. On. You sound good now. Audio's fine. So okay. Um, yeah, tough game today. I thought Indiana played really, really well. I thought Kansas did a better job down the stretch of uh, imposing their will, uh, and Indiana didn't have an answer. Uh, I, I agree with Ryan on the system stuff that he mentioned early before. Uh, there, when things start going bad, the system isn't set up to, to try to withstand the pressure of a number two team with a Hall of Fame coach making uh, adjustments. We went back to heavy middle ball screen and heavy post-up uh, action, and you're not going to get a lot of out of the bench guys that way. You're not going to do that. So I think that's still a concern. But man, the guys laid it on the on the line. Galloway in the press conference, I was just exhausted. I saw him in the hallway uh, afterwards and complimented him. Uh, I, I thought this team played extremely hard. I thought Mbako was fantastic, short of the foul trouble. Uh, I, I thought this game rests on a poor effort from our uh, the two big guys uh, under 500 uh, in shooting, and I thought uh, their front line. Uh, their four and five guys played better than ours, uh, especially down the stretch in, in key moments and, and passing the ball and, and getting shots uh, w- without having contested shots. Ware needs to work on that. Renew had a, a really bad over his head out of a, a great play by Woodson, and it was soft and it got blocked, and then K.J. Adams comes down and gets an yeah. and one. So it was a great atmosphere down here. The crowd was fantastic. The guys laid it all on the line. You know, questions about that system, questions about the going totally different with the subs. you got to rest your guys a little bit. We were asking for staggered subs, no, not no subs. I still think that's something the coaching staff has to figure out. But this does give a little ray of sunshine. No moral victories, uh, lost opportunity. But this team can play this way. They'll win a lot of games. It's just now can you win enough games uh, that matter in a, in a darn selection committee room come March? Yeah. I mean, look, there's no, there are no moral victories at home. You know, to Ryan's point earlier, you have that kind of atmosphere. You got to find a way to win it, even with all the challenges that Indiana had. But I think to your point, coach, there are still positives you can take away. You know, this Indiana team lost without their point guard and a freshman filling in against an experienced laden Kansas team. A lot of those guys who have won a title before and one of the best coaches in the history of the sport. And I think that really showed itself down the stretch. They were more poised. They made better adjustments. They were a little bit able, you know, their guys played as many minutes as our, as ours did, but they're a little bit more ready to do that and make good decisions when they're tired than we are, you know? So like sometimes you can have two teams play a good game. One has to lose. And so I'm very disappointed in the fact that Indiana lost, and it does feel like there were maybe some preventable things and maybe a few decisions this way or that. But I have a real hard time being, you know, mad or angry about this loss because I thought the guys played really, really hard, you know, and just didn't, again, didn't have enough options offensively either through choice or through personnel. Uh, you know, just you know, by choice, I mean the system to get it going down the stretch. Um, and I think, but that and that's also what what almost makes it more disappointing, um, in a sense. Yeah, it, it, the, the roster is not as good as a lot of us thought it was, to be honest with you. Um, and, and people are in, in tough positions, as was mentioned, and listening to you guys start to show. We're asking people to do stuff that they're, that they're really not either ready to, whether it's bench guys coming off the bench or it's Gabe getting in the starting lineup and, and, and needing to score a little bit at certain times uh, to, you know, um, having the lane clogged up. I, I, I thought 
when we can talk a little bit later about the, the stuff Woodson ran in the first half was fantastic, but Self took it away, was a high post scissors action to get the, to get the blocks opened up for cuts. Uh, it, it looked like a college basketball offense in the first half, and, and we got back to some bad stuff in the second half. But, yeah, Kansas was definitely the, the better team all the way through. Its star players rose up at the end. Dickinson want not, didn't want anything to do with this game for about 25 minutes, and then he took over. Now, whether he was just coasting or he was whatever, but he wasn't even interested in playing. And then all of a sudden, his two deep post moves were the key to the game. Uh, down the stretch, uh, and they were see they ran some good stuff that you had to guard the guard the perimeter action, and he was able to set the last screen right at the rim, and then just turn around. and He's really good at creating spots, so it, it is disappointing, a lost opportunity. But I go away from this a little bit better about this Hoosier team than than when I did driving down. Yeah. All right, let's talk numbers brought to you by our friends at Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and chat mob Hall of Famer Megan Mahaffey and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. So a couple key stats, you know, free throws are relatively even. Kansas gets to the line 24 times and makes 17. Indiana gets to the line 22 times and makes 15. The three-point line was even. Uh, Indiana makes six. Kansas makes six. You know, Ryan, uh, on on our Substack earlier this week, Tony Adrania for his IU Film Room talked about how to beat Kansas over the last five years, there's a very clear kind of statistical profile of what happens to do that. You have to outshoot them on two-point field goals, and you have to get at least 10 assists. Indiana barely cleared the second bar, getting 10 assists, but I think the big difference in the game, and Trey helped with this because he had a very good percentage on twos, but Dickinson and Adams were just more efficient than Khalil and Malik were. And you expect some of that, you know? I mean, you don't expect Khalil and Malik to be shooting 60-plus percent against Hunter Dickinson and K.J. Adams, but they can't go 3-for-12 and 5-for-13. You know, Khalil's got to find a way to be able to put some of those in. Uh, And Malik, you know, I thought, uh, you know, give Hunter Dickinson credit. He didn't bite on some of the shimmies and shakes that Malik often does. And I thought Malik struggled, you know, to kind of find his rhythm. Yeah, his rhythm down there. When he he did beat him, he missed a few. Um, Yeah. You know, those turnarounds. Look, Indiana's not built to win if those guys aren't making at least 50%. I mean, they don't have to be super elite, but they needed to be good. And they were below average in this game. No, it just you speaks talk to about- how Herculean the effort was from Galloway to even yeah. make this a game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, if Galloway scores 15, ev- if you this put is a any other number up at what was going on in this game individually for IU, you would think they lost by 25. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, I, I, and and I'll say this, you know, Indiana finished uh, 13 of 23 on layups. Kansas is a big athletic team with length you're going to struggle at the rim you got to make that up other places and uh if if your big guys aren't going to come through you got to make it up other places and we've talked about it Galloway was the only guard who did anything really and 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 so uh, again Gabe Cups contributed in other ways but offensively you need to get points from somewhere if you're not going to get it there and 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 again we we talked about it and it it's Kansas was going to make a big run at some point they're too talented for you to hold them under 70 points they just are. And so you have to know at some point we're going to have to answer a run. And when Kansas made that big run late and they did it kind of gradually, they were winning every segment of the second half by one or two points. And then they won one by like seven. Indiana yep. kind of bounced back a little, but you knew they were going to make a protracted run at some point. It Unfortunately for Indiana, it happened at a point where they just couldn't come back. It, the game was over, but that happened because guys were tired. 
and 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 it's that's an inevitable part of this game. You're riding on adrenaline for so long. Eventually that wears out. You hope, as you said, Jared, that there's a hustle play or something, or I'm sorry, Andy said this, that there's a hustle play that gets the crowd back up and just boosts everybody to fourth, the third and fourth wind on the day. And you just didn't see that towards the end because Kansas, again, Hall of Fame coach, very talented team, and they outplayed Indiana in the second half. They just, it, I mean, that's the, no knock on Indiana's effort. But they Kansas is a better team and played like the better team. And so you're right. When your two big guys combine to go eight for 25 in the, in the paint and those shots are all coming from within 10, most of them are coming from within 10 feet, that's you, you can't win that way. And Indiana's not built to win that way. With the lack of guard depth, with the lack of perimeter scoring, those guys have to be incredible every game. And if you look at points in the paint, which is where Indiana has won games this year, dead even, 36 points for both teams in the paint. That's that's not a recipe for Indiana winning the game, and so I thought they rebounded well. It, it, you know, I thought that yeah, a lot of the size things you have to do, they did well. They rebounded well, and they held Dickinson to you know seventeen, but he got a lot of those late. I mean, they really held him down, and you didn't see a lot of like straight line drives where it was an easy basket. They made a lot of tough shots at the rim. Kansas did, so they did a lot of the things you got to do as big guys. They just couldn't put the ball in the basket enough. And, and it's, you know, you can, I, I think that Indiana's, if you're looking at a structural problem, Indiana's problem is the perimeter is, is the problem today though, knowing that that problem exists, you needed more from the post. And, and yep. so that was a problem to, I think coach is right. That's the difference between winning and losing because that's just how this team is constructed. Uh, but in general, if you have another perimeter guy who can get you 10 points, Indiana cruises to a win today, but you don't have that. So yeah, one other number, Andy, that stands out. Indiana led for 35 minutes in this game. Jumped out early, led most of the second half. You know, and Jay Wright at halftime, you know, they asked him, what is Bill Self telling his team? He's telling them, you're fine. You only have to lead at the end of the game. That's how Kansas played. You know, they played with that poise. They never got they didn't, nervous. They didn't get shook. And like you said, Ryan, they just kept chipping away. You know, and they had a guy like McCuller. McCuller, the way that McCuller played really reminded me in some ways of Oladipo. Not stylistically, but in making every little play to win a game. You know, and he did all these things down the stretch. You need a bucket, you need a stop, you need a rebound, you need a pass. McCuller was out there doing it. And, you know, and that, you know, that it's just, it's a team that, that has poise and experience, and that really shone through there at the end. Numbers for you, Andy, that, that jump out. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how almost dead even so many of the the numbers yeah. in the game actually are. As you look down the stat sheet, there's not a lot where there's a huge discrepancy. Second chance points are within two. Points in the paint, as you said, are uh, are even. Bench points, they're within three, although nobody really scored in the bench from either team, so I guess that's why. Um, you know, one, one of the areas, though, that, that we, we talk about a lot with IU, uh, turnovers, they had 14, nine in the first half, five in the second, so that did get a little bit better uh, in that. And, and and the assist numbers, you know, Kansas, we talked about that on Thursday. They assist on 70-some percent of made baskets. I think they're pretty uh, pretty close to that tonight uh, again. And IU just with 10 assists and the, and the 14 turnovers. And, and then the other thing we'll allude to a lot is, you know, kind of the combined block steals numbers. Kansas with four blocks, nine steals. IU two blocks, six steals. Just speaks to not really getting enough defensively over the latter part of the second half. I mean, like I said, you, you, you play – you know, a quarter of the game giving up 1.72 points per possession. Like you're going to have a hell of a time beating anybody, let alone um, somebody that's as good as Kansas was defensively. And and just to circle back on, 
uh, on some of the things with the the bigs. You, you know, I think coach that one play that you referenced where Renew kind of tried to flip it over his head and got blocked. I, I think that was the play I mentioned earlier where Woodson came up with that counter to that elbow handoff to go into a high low, and it was like a beautiful play, and you just didn't convert. Uh, and that was one where if you do that, you can go back to that and kind of figure out what Kansas was. I, you never really went back to that at all, but I think that was the play if I remember correctly. Um, but also don't know coach, if those other things you saw Kansas really doing defensively, other than just being physical with those guys that, that, uh, made him take tough shots, you know, where settled for a lot of outside jumpers Renew hit those couple threes, which was, uh, led to him to take a couple more late, none of which were bad necessarily, but, um, so curious what else you saw schematically that may have contributed to their poor shooting. Well, they took away the high post, uh, the high post enter when they would where would catch it in the middle of the court and his elbow catches. I thought that's what IU did effectively by scheme in the first half. And they, they put a little more pressure on the guards, but they were trapping where hard. And then they singled up renew and just bodied up renew and tried to stay down with him uh, with uh, Dickinson. So it was an interesting uh, adjustment in the second half that Indiana tried to counter, but what they did didn't work um, and it, in, a, in a close ball game. But that, that was the things that they, they took away. I would say for the, the numbers for me is Mbako needs more than nine shots going forward. Uh, and yes. that comes back to Brian's team issue with um, we don't do any – we have that one staggered double play, but I didn't see it tonight. Uh, there were a couple things run for him. But it goes back to what we've said for three years. We don't run things for perimeters. Uh, perimeters get their shots off the action of either a, a trap ball screen or a drive and help kick out or a, a post kick out. That's just the system we live in. And, and it wasn't good enough by four points tonight. Uh, and, and, but Mbako was great, I thought, for the most part, until he got in foul trouble and it kind of just took him out of, out of rhythm. But his, his dribble up three, more of that. Um, his drives... Uh, his north-south game, you know, we have Gabe Cups, who's not north-south right now. But I thought Mbako added a little bit of north-south today off the bounce. And as he gets more comfortable doing that, I think that'll that'll be important. But that was the number that st- stood out to me when I opened this up here at, at the end of the end of the game. I, I thought there, there probably needs to be more shots. And I will say this. This is the appropriate number of threes. I know it's been a controversial thing to talk about. But if you take 15 to 20 threes for this team, and hit six or more, I think that gives Indiana a chance to win most basketball games. Would I like to see even more? Yes. Uh, would I like to see a different scheme to get more of those? Yes, including Mbako's shots. But you saw some momentum shots that the three ball brought. And that one stretch, we hit two back-to-back after they cut it uh, close in the early second half. I think it went, got us 50-39, to 39, yep. uh, if I remember right. Um, but we're closer on that. So a lot of things improved. The sub-pattern was better, even though it went – too far i think the sub pattern was non-existent for about yeah, eight yeah. minutes in the second half. <laughs> I, I thought you know and, and then we took some bad threes too you got you know when miller cop was on the show he'd take good threes i thought we took i thought uh, renew settled for a couple after he hit two and I, I thought as much as i wanted galloway's last shot and he did a great job today i thought they could have gotten something better there when they were down two with 45 50 seconds he was off balance uh and, and the kid wanted to win, and so he, he was feeling it. There's there's really nothing wrong, but technically in film session, you, you had some other things there uh, at that point of the game. Down two, you didn't need that three. Uh, but those were the numbers that stood out to me. Kansas won it by having a coach on the sideline who guarded Indiana better and who ran good, effective stuff down the stretch to get their star players in position to score. And it was enough by four. 
and they had their senior point guard healthy. You know, all that all that plays into it. You know, that's those are the things that add up to an L for Indiana on a day when they really could have used a W. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls. That'll be easy. And the Hoosier Hustle Award, discuss a lingering question or two, and then look ahead to what is coming up next for the Hoosiers. That is all coming up next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers! Thank you, Devontae. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms, and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, live from Simon Scott Assembly Hall. It is time now for our game balls, presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. As we enter the colder months and begin to stay indoors a bit more, they want to make sure everybody knows about radon, a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. It enters buildings through cracks and gaps in the foundation and through service pipes of homes. Contact Bloom Environmental today and mention Assembly Call for a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. Learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. Coach, we'll let you go first with the game ball. I think it's pretty obvious where we're going with this. It's Trey Galloway, um, who was awesome. So let's just use this space to maybe give him a few more plaudits because his performance deserves it. Uh, Galloway had an extra a bounce to his step today, especially cutting through the defense on his drives. He he was really determined, uh, t- determined to get to the basket and make up for uh, what he probably thought was a, a poor effort at at Auburn. He was just really uh, outstanding. His when he took his threes, he didn't hesitate too. As as much as we can talk even about that last shot, he was not hesitating. Uh, and that needs to be everyone, including Gabe Cups, including C.J. Gunn. There's a little too much hesitation when you do get a three. I think there's things we need to do better there, but I just thought he was fantastic tonight. Uh, he got a little sloppy with the ball at times, but again, you can excuse that because you want your best player trying to force things, especially in a game like this where other things weren't working. Trey Galloway, game ball, simple. I'm just I mean, so happy for him. You know, there's been yeah. a lot of really idiotic opinions out there about Trey. You know, the, the issue is, Ryan, the conversation about Trey is, you know, similar in a sense to the one about Cups, where it's like, 
Trey Galloway is getting some criticism for not doing certain things. And it's like, you need him to do things because of the roster, but those aren't really things he's shown us that he can do. No. Now, look, you know, the, the thing with today is what can he take from today that helps him do this more consistently? He's not going to score 28 points, you know, but if he can be this guy where he's assertive and confident offensively, you'll deal with a few turnovers because the production and the points were there. And this team just is desperate for any kind of production from the backcourt guys. So on a huge for stage, assertiveness a huge moment, from the backcourt yes. guys. Yeah, he stepped up and provided it. And so, you know, look, the I think it's it's been fair. There have been some performances from him that aren't even up to the level of what Indiana needs. And then this just so far surpassed it. I mean... We've talked so. about it before. On a top 10 team, Trey Galloway is probably a beloved six-man. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, quite frankly, just because of the limitations to his game, particularly on offense. And I think that going into today, if you had said, well, if Indiana doesn't play its best game, but is going to beat Kansas, how do you do that? Well, Trey Galloway is going to have to go off. Well, Trey Galloway went off, um, you know, career high, 28 points, 12 to 17 from the field. He had one that rimmed out, too. So it could have been 30. That would have been nice. Uh, two of four from three. He looked more confident shooting the three than he had all season. Uh, I still think that that's going to be an ongoing issue. He did miss two of his four free throws. His free throw percentage is way too low on the season. Needs to be higher for a guard who's handling the ball that much. Uh, three rebounds, had an assist. He did have the five turnovers, but again, they were aggressive turnovers. They weren't, you know, I mean, he was trying to make things happen, which you'll forgive. Um, I, I just, and he played 38 minutes. I mean, I'd give him the hustle award if we could do both. I really would, because I thought <laughs> yeah. that he was, he was everything for Indiana today. And, as a senior playing what's going to be your most high profile game as a senior, he showed up, he showed up, absolutely showed up and showed out and carried Indiana on his back for long stretches of the game, particularly in the second half where he didn't really get much from anybody else offensively. Galloway was your guy. And I'm happy for him that he did that on national television as a senior. Uh, it was one of those things. This was, if they win it, it's the Trey Galloway game. Uh, and, and so great for him. It was really nice to see. He's been a big part of the program for a long time. He's had up and down stretches, uh, but today he got to show what he can do when he's on. And I do hope this gives him confidence. I hope we don't see the slingshot tray that we've seen before where great game offensively retreats, you know, like if he can get to an average of 14, 15 points, that would be just enormous for Indiana because of the lack of perimeter scoring. So this is Trey Galloway's day. I mean, he was better than he was the best player on the floor on both teams. Um, so I, I really I hope that uh, that he's able to carry this forward with a lot of confidence. Andy, final thoughts on Trey? Well, I'm going to give mine to no. I um <laughs> I think I'm going to go against the grain here and uh, no. I, I I the the thing that you like is the confidence shooting the three. We we saw that last year as a catch and shoot guy. I mean, for him to after the way he shot the ball this year, you know, I joked in the chat when he fanned out to the three-point line on that fast break i was like we're not in we're in an alternate universe somewhere where iu instead of trying to take everything to the rim actually shot a transition three uh out of it and made it but but he doesn't do that if he's not feeling confident and, and he built that confidence by how he played in the, the early part of the game and and like i said before i thought he did a great job of recognizing what the defense was giving him where he could put pressure on kansas's defense and how he could take advantage of it uh and did so incredibly well uh, throughout the game and I think as you as you spin some of this forward to try to figure out because now so much rests on how this team plays in the Big Ten the the non-conference opportunities are gone 
Um, and so you've got to look at what happens from here. You've got these next three games, but the the importance of winning a large number of Big Ten games has ratcheted up significantly. And so if you spin that forward, you've got a Galloway who's being aggressive driving, who can potentially kick it out to an Mbaka who is coming along and you get Xavier Johnson back, the things that we talked about where you don't have enough offensive threats on the floor, which plagued this team in the middle of the second half, like that goes away um, and becomes incredibly important because at this point, everything is about the Big Ten season. I, you can't stub your toe in these next three games. You don't need to look past these next three games, but like you just need to have a, a really over-the-top, incredible Big Ten performance, and part of that is being able to uh, – is being able to get Galloway going. And and hopefully this is a game that he can build on. Thought he said, uh, as you'd expect, a lot of the right things after the game, how they really felt like they were out toughed at Auburn and wanted to rectify that today. Didn't blame uh, the fatigue on the late game things. And um, so definitely happy for him. Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll see if this can be a springboard for him as he you know rests up for these uh, next couple games this week. Okay, game ball to Galloway, one of the easier ones we've ever given out. Time now for the Hoosier Hustle Award. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leo, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, I have some exciting news to share about our friends at Evansville Security Services. They've been acquired. They are now part of the team at Security Pro 24-7, which provides trusted and reliable security for your event or business from Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either, but it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sang you. All right, thank you, Anthony. Time for the Hustle Award. Uh, Andy, we'll go to you first for this one. I mean, if ever there was a day to give it to to the same person that won the game ball, it might be this one, but we have rules, so we're not going to do that. So who gets your Hustle Award? (laughs) We have have (laughs) rules here, yes. We have standards. We have standards, people. They're they're unwavering. Um, I'm going to go with Gabe Cups. Um, I I thought didn't do a lot of the things that show up on the stat sheet, but for a team, you know, we talked about the play with Banks struggling to fight through that screen and fouling McCullough. I think I think Cups does as good a job as anybody on the team of trying to fight through screens uh, and getting into the right spots. And I, I just thought for him to show up in this game and play uh, 37 minutes, uh, I, I just – I don't know. The, the, the production isn't really there. Uh, but if this award is about who really played hard and helped give your team a chance to win, um, I, I think he's a worthy choice. So I'll go with him. Probably good to go first, and you guys can – uh, we'll split the vote and figure it out afterwards, right? Coach, who gets your hustle award? I'm going to go uh, Mbako. Uh, I, I thought um, his uh, aggressiveness offensively in taking shots and driving to the lane, I thought he rebounded well, especially in the first half. He only ended up with five, uh, but I think that's second on the team. And, uh, you know, the defensive assignment was nice to put him on the on the two guard instead of, uh, you know, McCuller there, I thought that was wise, but I, I thought he's been really locked in lately uh, and we're starting to see why he was a five-star. And, and I just thought he played with a lot of 
effort and execution uh, on the little things. And I know he got a steal. There was a nice anticipation play at one point where he stole a pass, a cross-court pass. And he just is starting to play really, really well. I thought he hustled uh, extremely, extremely well today, uh, if it's not Galloway for me. Okay, so one vote for Gabe, one vote for Mbako. Ryan, who gets your hustle award? Uh, well, I like the way Mackenzie Mbako played. It's Gabe Cops for me. Um, Mbako was off the floor for so long, uh, not by any fault of his own, uh, but Gabe Cops playing 37 because, minutes. Because the one foul on Dickinson when he's like just slamming himself into guys underneath the basket was <laughs> yeah. clearly not a foul. Yeah. Um, you know, he played 37 minutes. He played his plays tail off Had two steals as well that I thought were pretty big. Um, just for momentum's sake. Um, I, I really think that if they win this game, we're talking about cups is one of the biggest reasons why, uh, because of how he played defensively. So I, I, I gotta give it to Gabe cups. I, I just thought his energy and effort. And again, I, I would give it, um, I would give it to to Trey Galloway if we could, but again, we have standards, we have rules, people, and we must stick to these arbitrarily set rules <laughs> that we came up with in five minutes years ago. So uh, I, I would say Gabe Cups. That's the that's my pick. It's just so we didn't end up talking about the same guy for two straight segments, you know. Um, yeah, both worthy choices. You know, I will just toss out an honorable mention vote for Khalil Ware. Not going to give it to him, but 15 rebounds. Um, you know, had a block, had two steals. I thought he did a nice job. You know, on you know, just sticking with plays. You know, had a couple putbacks played because of that. 39 minutes. Yeah, played 39 minutes. So I mean, you know, not a, not a very efficient performance from Khalil. It needs to be stronger with the ball. But I thought again, saw a guy who played hard and was up for the challenge. You know, Hunter Dickinson outplayed him by the end of the game. But it wasn't some massive gulf between the two. Hunter was just a little bit more efficient than Khalil. Khalil. Um, and given where they are in their respective careers, that's probably to be expected. Of course. Um, I was going to go with Gabe Cups, but Coach, I, I'm, I was compelled by Coach's arguments on McKenzie and Baco. I think McKenzie and Baco should have played more minutes. Um, but I thought... You know, those two guys, both of those two freshmen, I give them a lot of credit. I thought they played their role extraordinarily well in a tough spot. Um, and I thought you did see some hustle plays from Mbako, not settling for shots and being strong and taking it to the basket, getting those steals, getting out there. And I thought defensively, you know, he's going to have his imperfections, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't for effort. Um, and so because he added some production to the hustle uh, and because a lot of that production was driving, getting to the free throw line, I'm giving it to Mbako. I mean, just, you know, performances to build on for both of those guys for Mbako and Gabe cups and also for Trey Galloway too. And if, if, you know, if, if we can kind of look at this as a turning point in the season where it's like, Hey, you know, we're finally starting to get some production from the wings and from the backcourt guys. In addition to the big men, we may look back on today as an important day for kind of turning things around a little bit. It sucks that it doesn't have a win attached to it because a win was there to be had. And as you said, Andy, not getting it puts so much pressure on getting, you know, a lot of wins in Big Ten play. But there were really some performances to build on. I think the guys that, you know, Trey Galloway and then the two guys here that we've talked about for the Hustle Award um, really are at the top of that list. So... Mbako and Cups both got two votes. Chat mob, it's over to you. Uh, so put in your votes, and then can someone, maybe Jen or someone, can you tally that up and let me know what the official, um, or Quang, maybe he counted it. Oh, tiebreakers, Mbako. Okay, Quang already got it. So Mbako wins uh, his second Hoosier Hustle Award of the season. Congrats to McKenzie. 
Uh, yeah, the, the other thing, real quick on him, I think yep. what you're starting to see, we talked about some of the defensive improvement. Like he's just starting to read situations a little bit better on the defensive end. Yeah. Uh, not the breakdowns that we saw so frequently early in the game. And and the one play that you referenced where Harris drove and tried to throw that baseline pass to the corner and it went out. Like Mbako read that well and was in yep. good position that really took any angle away for that pass. I, he's far from perfect in that end of the floor, but I think he's working his way toward becoming less of a liability there and, and at least a, you know, a, an average defensive player, which is really all that you need him to be. Um, you just need him not to play himself off the floor uh, with breakdowns and things like that. And I think against a team that really likes to drive it and then drive it again and drive it against him more in Kansas, I thought he, I thought he held up relatively well there despite some of the foul issues. So I think another, uh, you know, positive aspect of what he's doing, he's certainly feeling more comfortable offensively, but I think, uh, it also helps that he's he's doing some of the, some more positive things on the defensive end. All right, so coming up for the Hoosiers, we have three straight games against sub-150 competition, Moorhead State, which is next up on Tuesday. So quick turnaround against Moorhead State. They're currently 152nd in Ken Palm. Then there's another quick turnaround to play again Thursday against North Alabama, ranked 222nd, and then Kennesaw State, ranked 220th. So all games Indiana should win. Of course, it has been this team's habit to keep those games a lot closer than maybe they need to be. I also uh, don't love the way they're laid out on the schedule. I don't, I don't know either. Put games that closely. I really I don't. We've had this issue before, and you play a huge game and then have a quick turnaround and then have a quick turnaround after that. I mean, you're just asking for guys to get worn down. A little nervous about that Moorhead State game. Not going to lie. I mean, you. I, this I don't team, love it. You know, this has been a team under Mike Woodson that has really gotten up for big games. You know, they remember they beat Purdue that first season when Rob Finnessy goes off. What happened the next game? They got drilled by Michigan. Last Rob. year, they go up to Purdue and win that game in West Lafayette. What happens the next game? They get drilled by Iowa. So I think Coach, Coach Tonsoni, this is really, I think, big for this coaching staff. You know, they had Indiana was ready to play today. No question about it. You know, the guys brought it. They didn't win. But now, emotionally, they've got to get ready for Moorhead State. Again, it should be a game you can win with a B, B-plus effort. Um, but Indiana hasn't even always been able to you know, deliver that kind of performance in some of these games. So I think it, that's my big lingering question because Indiana cannot afford to take a loss in one of these games. Nope. And that's been one of the, the best part about their NCAA tournament resume right now is they don't have a, a quote-unquote bad loss on it. They've got to avoid that. So I, I'm not taking these games for granted. We've got to be ready to play, and it's something this program has struggled with a little bit coming off big emotional games. Yeah, it, it's important. You know, the coaches aren't looking at the the NCA stuff like we are. They're they're looking at improving from game to game. You had a huge improvement from Auburn to Kansas. You need to make that continue that improvement. And you play against the game. You don't play. Yes, you're going to scout the opponent and, and do those things. I don't mean to, that you're not taking them seriously, but you want to get better uh, as the Indiana Hoosier basketball team. And then this team needs to win games uh, as expected or better than expected because they've really have not played to expectations and and this is the time to get the metrics as far as the schedule i i agree sometimes you jam them together but it does help this team get mentally tough like you have to respond and, and then the other thing is you're going to have to play three games or four games in the big 10 tournament you get in a tournament you got to play thursday saturday uh this gives you a chance to get that kind of prep practiced against teams that you should beat um so if there are any difficulties I do think sometimes in the scheduling, it's good to look at that kind of thing where you have a day in between 
because hopefully you're in a situation where you will, will be in having to prep uh, in a day. So you can kind of practice those, those things as, as well, uh, coming in, watching film, preparing, doing a walkthrough mostly in between games, and are you locked in mentally uh, in some, some of those tight back-to-back situations. So, yeah, it's not ideal, but you can turn it into a positive as a coach in, in getting your team ready for where you want to be come March. Only other thing I would say about these games is forget everything that you truly believe about sportsmanship because IU needs to run it up on these teams if they get the chance yes. from a metric standpoint. Um, yeah, so just take your thoughts on sportsmanship, just burn them and <laughs> and move forward because what they need, uh, certainly from a win, obviously they need to win the games and I'm not, I'm not overlooking them. I say this uh, not completely in a joking way because um, we've seen in a lot of ways a good way to uh, elevate one's net ranking in some of those things is to uh, put it on uh, so-called inferior opponents. So uh, it, if to the extent that there are opportunities here, I, you should definitely take them in order to do that because they passed up every chance they had to do such things in the uh, in the early games of the season. But, um, but anyway, but I got to run. I think uh, I don't really need to have final thoughts. I think we... I think I probably said everything I needed to say on this one. Uh, I thought Coach summed it up really well toward the end of the the last segment, and probably just replay that and uh, and and make that my thoughts. But uh, really tough loss. Impressed with the bounce back performance, and uh, I think given the state of the Big Ten, they can bring this kind of effort on a regular basis. Get Xavier Johnson back healthy to get you some more offensive uh, threats out there. You know, all is not lost. Uh, I, I think a, a worse performance might have had people singing a different tune than that, but um, now you got to take care of business in these next three, uh, hopefully in convincing fashion and and get yourself ready for uh, a big 10 season. That means a whole lot more than it seemed like it might have to at the beginning of the season for sure. Yep. Thank you, Andy. Um, real quick, make sure you check out our friends at home field apparel, use the promo code home two, three to get 15% off your first order. Last call coach. We'll go to you, your final thoughts before you hit the road. Yeah, Indiana's put themselves in a position where they got to really build on this, as Andy said, put the sportsmanship out and and beat those metrics and and boost those metrics going forward. But more than that, you you still need to develop that bench. You need to to free up Gabe Cups to shoot the basketball uh, and put him in some situations where, Gabe, you're going to shoot this here. That's how you get him to be more effective. You got to find CJ and Banks. I thought Walker played well tonight. Uh, But these games uh, are going to – going to really help Indiana set the tone for a lot of must-win games in the Big Ten. This was needed. Uh, a win would have been much better, and, and I agree, Ryan, that when you're up 11 or 13 in the second half, this program needs to put those games away, yep. and we're not doing it. So it is not acceptable to lose on your home floor, period. If we're going to be back, uh, and, and that's the pressure. Pressure's on these kids. Pressure's on the coaching staff. It's not acceptable to lose three non-conference games and put yourself in a perilous situation. But it's okay to find the good in this game. Uh, after last Saturday, it, I am feeling a lot better about going forward and watching this team play than I did uh, earlier. So it, it's an important stretch run. There's still some things that have been done that have been good, some changes on defense, some changes on offense by the coaching staff. Still a lot more creativity, in my opinion, needed from them to put these young men in better positions to succeed. And that is going to be on the coaching staff uh, to, to keep finding ways with this roster construction, it is what it is, to go out and win games and win them the way they should with this roster. Uh, you can't just run a system. you got to be creative. And, and, and that is, you know, if that can get through somehow, 
I, and I don't know what that means. Uh, I'm not a college coach, but you got to do different things. And that, and this three games are a chance to do that. Thanks, Coach. Safe travels going home. Uh, Ryan, last call. Yeah, I mean, Coach said it. When you're up 13 at Assembly Hall, you got to close that game out. Uh, you know, I mean, Coach it's, said it's it's after just, you said it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, but clearly he's you know he comes from a place of of deep knowledge and intelligence. And uh, has, taken in, he's, has taken in information from wise sources and regurgitated it. So I have to follow that oh, path. God. Um, <laughs> no, look, I, you just, this program, you know, three years into a coach's tenure has to put games like that away. That's not necessarily just on Mike Woodson. It's just on the situation of the program. That's a game you got to win. How huge would that have been to, NCAA, to Indiana's NCAA tournament resume, particularly with the Big Ten being so down? Thank you, Michigan State, for you know dominating Baylor today and, and upping the conference's profile a little bit. But it could take 12 Big Ten wins to make the tournament for Indiana. I mean, At like as a, as, a, as a minimum. Like that's a that's a tightrope to walk, man. Big Ten's tough even when it's down because of the travel and all that and the style of play. Uh, Indiana has to close games like this out. You know, you got, I I I have heard from some people. Well, they weren't even supposed to be in the game, so keeping it close is good. No, you're that's, up thirteen at home. Yeah, win the damn game. And um, so it was not a great performance by anybody down the stretch. I mean, the effort was there, but it just wasn't directed properly and i think that that goes on the coaching staff it goes on the players as well for not finishing at the rim and little things like that not making your free throws those things add up you know one miss bunny one three miss free throws and it's a different game they win it so indiana's got to get to a point as a program where we stop talking about them getting close or we're right there at some point they have to be there you know i mean we've been waiting a previous regime and this regime to just to be there, to be what Indiana is supposed to be, to be a program that wins games like this. How long has it been since Indiana was a program that can win games like this consistently? And you know, you beat Purdue the last uh, the last two years. That's great, but they're also a rival who you play all the time. You know their style. When you get a team that is a nationally recognized power coming to Assembly Hall, that's number two in the country. It's been a long time since Indiana has beat a team like that, you know, and and, and so it, it, at some point this this program has to get there, <clears throat> and we can't just be on the cusp of getting there. And then, well, we lost a bunch of guys to the NBA, so we're kind of resetting everything. We can't keep doing that. It's been too long of Indiana doing that, and so at some point there has to be forward momentum to the program where it goes and then doesn't take a huge step back and then have to build it all over again. So is Mike Woodson the guy to do that? Hey, man, I really hope so. I really do. I really like Mike Woodson. I think he's a great guy. I think he's an Indiana guy. It would be great to see an Indiana guy be that. But at some point, you know, your year three, I mean, by next year, you got to be doing this. Four years is, is plenty of time in the transfer portal era to turn a programmer out. And so maybe this isn't the year that they're going to start being that team that wins these huge games and can go, you know, beat top five teams about a conference and, and go to the tournament and make some noise. Maybe that's not this year. Um, they still got plenty of time to figure it out. I'm not giving up on the season or anything. I'm just saying they haven't won a big game yet and they need to do that. Um, but by next year, you got to be able to win games like this and it's got to change. So it's a, it's a bummer. Uh, Kansas is a great team that played really well down the stretch and just outplayed Indiana. 
and uh, and it's really a bummer that Indiana didn't get this win for what was an amazing crowd and an amazing effort from the players. So, you know, we'll see moving forward. Obviously, hope they can win these next three and then go into the Big Ten with some confidence um, and that they can build on this uh, because this can't be the kind of effort that just comes when you play number two Kansas. You know, this has got to be the kind of effort you bring every game, especially in the Big Ten, if you're going to make some noise. Well, and I mean, Ryan, that's part of the problem. You know, I mean, big game assembly hall has lifted up, you know, a lot of mediocre Indiana teams to big performances that have just kind of been on islands and not necessarily been representative of the way the rest of the team plays. And that's an important next step for this program, you know, to be able to play with that level of focus and intensity in a big game when the crowd is going nuts and on a Tuesday night when Moorhead State, you know, is there the next game. So, you know, I just... I think it's perfectly fair to take some of the positives from this game, like Trey's performance, the way that McKenzie and Baco and Gabe cups played, you know, and look at those as positives, but that is by no means a moral victory. Um, Indiana basketball, as we mentioned, should not have moral victories and losses at home. You just got to win the game. You know, whether you're up by 11 or 13, the second half or not, Kansas is coming in. You got to beat them on your home gym. That's what Indiana basketball does when Indiana basketball is rolling. And so, you know, right now we're not there. Hopefully we can get there as the season goes along. And as I mentioned before, you know, one of the probably one of the most important things to come out of today long term, Ryan, is all those recruits who were there. A lot of high-profile recruits. I mean, as many high-profile recruits as Indiana has had visiting a game in yep. a long time. And it was absolutely imperative that the atmosphere be huge, that the team put together a competitive performance. You know, all those things happen. And so hopefully those guys, you know, had a big game. Because, I mean, Ryan, what is becoming very, very clear here in year three of the Mike Woodson era is the formula for winning with Mike Woodson is going to be having really talented individual players who can go make really good individual plays. And so if that's going to be the formula, then we have to recruit at a super high level and then develop those guys and put them in a position. You know, right now, some of our young guys haven't quite developed as much as you would hope. And, you know, we just kind of ended up with a roster here that doesn't have enough dynamism in the backcourt to make some of that stuff work. So Indiana has to do whatever they can to make something of this season, you know, put yourself behind the eight ball with this kind of non-conference performance, but it's all still out there for them in Big Ten play. Hopefully they can do it. Um, but just a, a disappointing day. Really proud of how hard the guys played. No issues there. Somehow, some way, Indiana needed to find a victory. But I think what we saw at the end of the game was the difference between these two programs. You know, and it's a game that Kansas can go on the road and win, and it's a game that Indiana can't win at home. And Indiana has to bridge that gap uh, if we want to get back to, you know, being among the best in the nation, which is a perch that Kansas has had for a long time, and we've been struggling to get back to. So. Anyway, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com and join our free email newsletter. Special thank you, as always, to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. A special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday night after IU plays Moorhead State. Until then. Take it from me, Rob Finnessy. Keep your eyes on the rim and your elbows in. Go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Shoot the ball. Here I come. This is done, Sony. <sighs> Groundhog Day. Yeah. Man, I thought we had that one. Yep. Looked like it. Knew that last 10 minutes is going to be tough with guys playing so much. You know, but no, all right.
All right. Well, we'll do it all again Tuesday. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's a much different exercise. Well, I mean, I mean, we'll do the show again Tuesday. Oh man, if we're talking about a four point loss on Tuesday, just uh, we might have to start making NIT gotta, plans. Got to bounce back and win that game. Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. If, if we have a bad non, I mean, if you had a bad non conference loss to this resume, you better win fourteen Big Ten games. Seriously, they'd get a home postseason game. That's that's the benefit, right? <laughs> Yeah, because those all those home and I those always, always go real well, so well for Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. oh man. All right. Well, thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Yeah. Nobody that we'd rather uh, commiserate with after a tough loss than you folks. So thanks yeah. for being here. All right. Talk to you all on Tuesday. Bye, guys. See you. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.